This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. I don't know. Maybe you just like that the hunting nonprofits have become the advertising arm for the hunting industry that are actively engaged in teaching people how to lease up land and lock you out, as we discuss in episode 7. Maybe you think it's just great that attention-starved children on Instagram are using the Kardashians' business model to cheapen, corrupt, commodify, and pervert all we hold dear as hunters. Maybe you don't like cotton blends that are sold at cost and are oh-so-luxurious and soft they make your nipples erect. I can think of no other reason Why you wouldn't go to huntquietly.org right now and order you up a Hunt Quietly shirt, hat, and bumper sticker. In this episode of the podcast, I talk with lifelong hunter and naturalist, outdoor writer, and as it turns out, kindred spirit, Johnny Sane. Before diving into the podcast, I want to read a quote Johnny shared with me by American writer and environmental activist Edward Abbey. Whenever I see a photograph of some sportsman grinning over his kill, I am always impressed by the striking moral and aesthetic superiority of the dead animal to the living one. Uh, Johnny, Johnny yeah. Sane, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you making the time. I'm glad to be here. Looking forward uh, to the conversation. So the way the reason we got acquainted is because you ran into a couple of my articles, or oh, I think we have a mutual friend. Maybe we did. Jacques, Jacques Cunningham. Yes, Jacques Cunningham. I was uh, in Montana. In Missoula, back in late February at the Big Sky Film Fest, uh, one of the essays I'd written had been turned into a video and, and, and was, was accepted in there. And, and Jock lives right outside Missoula. And um, I, I, don't, I don't even know how I became friends with Jock. But anyway, we were riding around. You've been friends with him for a while. Yeah, on Facebook. You know how it is. I yep, mean, yep. All, it seems like all my friends now, or most of them, uh, a lot of them are, are via social media. And uh, I announced I was coming out there. Jock wanted to meet up. So uh, we went riding around on some back roads, and he was showing me some country and got his dog out to work a little bit. And he, we, we started talking about, as we always do, hunting and fishing and, you know, the culture around hunting and fishing. And, and he said that he knew you. And um, he said he knew Steve, and he said he knew you. And he told me what you did. Uh, and he told me about um, some of your work. And so, yeah, I, I looked it up online and, uh, and then reached out to you. Yeah. And so, and, and, and you wear, you wear a few hats, I know. Um, and one of them is you do uh, some outdoor writing and yes. it's, it's uh, you sent me some of your pieces and I, and I read them and, I don't know how you, what would you say they're, 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 they're definitely not how to content. No, <laughs> they're, they're, they're more, they're just very thoughtful, creative writing pieces about various aspects of 
of hunting and, and what it means to you uh, on yeah. a personal level. And yeah. Things we, I, there's some stuff in there about things you believe we need to do to protect it in the future. Is that a apt characterization? I, I believe it is. A lot of it is the result of introspection. Um, you know, uh, considering why I do the things I do, hunting and fishing, mm-hmm. uh, and asking myself those questions and then trying to find answers. Yeah. Uh, that's where a lot of that comes from. Yeah. yeah. And I think pe- most people probably ass- assume that you're from the East Coast, like Maine or somewhere, but turns out you're actually from Arkansas. Yeah, I'm from Arkansas. If you can't tell by my accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Yeah, would you mind giving us a um, your past, where where your your a little bit about your upbringing, a, a little bit about uh, your relationship to hunting over the course of your life, and sure. and and what you do beyond besides writing uh, our, uh, thoughtful articles about uh, fishing and hunting. Sure, um, I lived in Arkansas my entire life. I actually live now about 45 minutes from the place I was born. Um, I'm, I'm 51, just turned 51. Oh, I too so, am 51. Oh yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Hello, Gen Xer. Um, uh, yeah. And this is my sixth podcast I've recorded now. And one of the other ones, Oh, two of the other ones turned out. I found out on the podcast were with, fellows that were 51 so the early 70s were were obviously imagined there's something about this age where all of a sudden we want other people to hear what we're talking about (laughs) we want to talk to strangers and and have other people listen yeah (laughs) it's just something that happens at in this decade of life i think so um but yeah i've lived here so all those years and uh, in my, my earliest, I've always lived in rural settings. Um, of course, a lot of Arkansas is rural and, and I'm, I'm in Western Arkansas in the river Valley and near the Southern edge of the Ozarks. Um, and uh, my entire life, I've often said this, I don't remember a time before fishing. I don't mm. remember what it was like to learn to fish. <laughs> That's it. I've never pieced I mean, that together, but I'm the same way. Yeah. I, I don't, I can't, I, I don't recall any of that. I, it's the same thing really with hunting. Uh, maybe a little, I remember the lessons about firearms and stuff like that. Cause you know, when I got older, I didn't get, wasn't able to do that till I got older, but, but uh, the fishing has been, there's, there's a family legend that I was holding a cane pole before I could walk. Oh, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's true, but, but those, that coincides with what I recall. Yeah, that's very insightful. I'm now yeah. I'm, I'm I'm realizing now that I ha- actually have a vague recollection of of piecing together how to tie my shoes, but I don't have a recollection of learning how to cast an open face reel. <laughs> that's 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 how I am. Yeah. Um, it's just been an integral part of my life. You know, it's, it's been who I am. Um, and so, you know, all these, all these years I've always hunted and fished. Uh, I'm particularly drawn to 
white tails, and I like to hunt them with a bow. Um, I love wild turkey. Um, you have good taste. <laughs> yeah, and, well, I like editor wild turkey too, one on one, and the and the ones you find out on these ridges, and and then uh, smallmouth bass, really all bass. Mm. Smallmouth live in the creeks around here, and uh, I've taken. I started fishing with a fly rod uh, several years back, almost exclusively, and those are my favorite targets, I guess. Oh, do yeah. you like to eat smallmouth bass? I do not. I've never eaten a smallmouth bass, and what? I, I, I cannot bring myself to eat smallmouth bass because in our waters, they take it takes like eight or nine years for a smallmouth bass to get fifteen inches long. Oh, and and they're kind of like the, you know. Um, Although Leopold wrote about uh, how Ruffed Grouse in Wisconsin. Ruffed? Ruffed Grouse. Isn't that how you pronounce you know, it? You know that that's like, we don't say that differently in these parts up here, don't you? Well, how do you say it? Ruffed. Okay, roughed. I don't know how to pronounce it. <laughs> well, well, no, I, mean, I, did, I just assumed that people <laughs> in your part of the world pronounce it that way. I don't know that I've ever heard it. I'm even open to the idea that your way is right. I just I don't know if it is. I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say it. I've read it. Okay, let's go back. We'll say a grouse. <laughs> you have con- roughed grouse there? You have to. We don't. Oh they don't. tried to they tried to bring some in, but they didn't take. Okay. But right. he said that that the roughed grouse or the grouse was a central component, was so much a central component of the of the setting in Wisconsin. He called it a Numenon. And I don't want to get into the whole the philosophy about what that is. But it held everything Num- else together. Num- the numinal, numinal. What Numen- is that? It's numinon. Yeah, but it, it's got to derive from the same word as like numen. Numen. It, it is, and it goes back into a man. You can get into some meta stuff here if we're going like to metaphysics. Let's just, let's just yeah, let's just leave it at that. Okay. The grouse, the grouse is what holds everything else together. Oh, my, that was the idea. Yeah. And so the small I think like mouth, the noumenal world is like the, the world of phenomena or something like that. And so and the noumenal is opposite. But see, noumenal is the opposite of phenomenal. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's okay. That's it. So okay. you're on. You, no, you're that. right. You're right. So the idea yeah. is we'll just we'll, this who knows if this will make the final cut, but just no, but, but now but now yeah. you're now you're right. So that there's 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 the world as it appears in our senses. Yes, and then the noumenal world is the world in its in itself. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you explained it better than I could. Um, but that's what the smallmouth is—the noumenon of these creeks. And so I feel like if I'm taking them well, out, if it's if it's like so central there, yeah. and so integral to that place, why is it suffering so much? Well, it's this is a low. I mean, there's. Man, we're going to get into some specifics here now. The creeks I fish are not super fertile. Uh, there are some that are further north here that are limestone-based, that have a, a larger forage base, that just support more life. A lot of the creeks around that I fish, I, I don't, I'm not exactly sure how you would define them, but they're not limestone-based, and so they don't have that forage base. And so small fish overall are, are more sparse, and they don't grow as fast. Okay. And when, when you take... If if you take a 15 inch tra- or a 15 inch smallmouth bass out of a pool here, yeah, it's going to take that. May probably is the biggest fish in the pool. Oh, uh, there may there may be a handful of other fish in there. That's probably the boss. 
it's going to take several <laughs> more years before another bass reaches that age. Uh-huh. And it just feels very, I just don't think I'm, this sounds really, I don't think I'm worthy enough to eat a smallmouth bass. Oh, <laughs> uh, you should, I you mean, should, they're, you should they're come, like a totem. Come visit me because where I live, there are many, many smallmouth. There's lots. Of oh, I, I know. And and the it's all relative. I mean, and, I get that in the in the lower Yellowstone. Yeah. Uh, they're they're trying to knock them back a bit. The limits. Yeah. Ten. So you could come out with and and I would take you out and you could catch and then eat your your first smallmouth bass guilt free. I could. Yeah. And I may have to do mind. that. I may have to, I may still have a problem with it just because they're smallmouth bass. <laughs> but those are my. You'd be like, to, I could, I could fly this thing home and put it in the creek, and here I am eating it, and then you'd. Be <laughs> I don't. I don't know if it'd be quite that, but. But it's. Um, I don't know. It's just something. I don't have a problem eating other fish. I have a problem eating catfish or crappie or bluegill or anything like that. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I get it. I get it. But those are my those are my things, and other than that, I'm I'm a pretty big nature nerd. Like uh, right now, you know, we're in coming up in late March, and we're getting some green up, and I'm watching for specific wildflowers to pop up. Uh, okay, I, I keep track of that. Um, like you you uh, record flowering dates for them. I don't necessarily record flowering dates, but I keep a log in my head, like. Mm-hmm. Um, there's uh, there's one flower that I, I don't shave at all during the winter. I don't shave or cut my hair, starting when I f- killed the first squirrel all through winter. And then in the spring, early or late winter, there is one flower around here that that called a trout lily. And it blooms somewhere around the middle of February, late February, early March. And when I see that blooms, when I cut my beard off. And that's just a ritual. Just a ritual. I mean, it, it actually, well, it comes from Leopold. Uh, he said something about uh, paraphrasing that uh, you can tell a lot about a man by what he knows about plant birthdays. Oh. And so it's just kind of a way to keep me, I'm usually very aware of you know seasonal changes and all that, but a way to keep me a little close, closer uh, tied to the, to the land, to the um, place. And in, in the modern, in the modern era, I'd say that, you you would conclude the same thing about 95% of men if you knew what they thought about plant birthdays because they, none of them would know anything. No. You know? Most people don't even know what trees are growing in their yard. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Even, yeah. when, even when I, as a young man growing up in Michigan, you know, I – I was obviously outdoors all the time hunting and fishing. And it wasn't until I got into my early 20s that I was like, what are all these things? I mean, I would know that one's an oak or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then I just became fascinated. I got tree books and was learning them all, all the trees. And it was, it was a thrill. And I was like, why did I've been around these plants my whole life and I'm not now just like, I think that's developing an interest in them. I mean, I knew some about it, but a lot of it, I remember my dad and my uncle would try to tell me, you know, difference. A lot of it was related to hunting, 
you know. Um, of course, hickories and different kinds of oaks. Sure, uh, sure, yeah. And then uh, there are also different fruit trees, you know, we would look for. I never paid attention when I was a kid, you know. I was, yeah. yeah. Wasn't that big a deal. So your dad was a sportsman? He was. He wasn't. He died. He died young. He died when he was forty-six, and oh. I was only twenty-four. So I didn't. I wish I'd have known him when he was older to know he more. He died about when he death. was young, and he reproduced when he was young. Yeah, yeah. He had me when I was yeah twenty-two. 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 That's right. Twenty-two, and my, my mom was twenty. They were both really young. Um, and your and your mom is still with us. Yes, mom's still around. Bro- brother, uh, uh, sisters, brothers. I've got a sister who lives in Louisiana. Okay. And uh, but out of the, out of the whole bunch, I think you know, Dad hunted and fished. He was pretty utilitarian. Uh, catfish, trot lines, uh, rifle hunting for deer. He didn't see the point. I remember when I started bow hunting, he could not understand why in the world I would make it more difficult to kill mm-hmm. a deer. Um, so, but you know, and that that's actually that's rural roots. I mean, hunting and fishing was really utilitarian. It, my my grandpa on my dad's side, um, and I've told this story a few times that my dad shared with me when when there weren't when it was tough to find squirrels in the woods, if robins were migrating fl- uh, through, he would shoot a sack full of robins and they would eat robins for dinner. Oh wow! Um, you know, and and that that's just one story I got. Um, you know that you know I don't I, I wouldn't I wouldn't shoot a robin personally, but. A little robin harvest doesn't seem unsustainable. And I don't think it's unsustainable. And I would say that maybe you haven't been hungry enough. <laughs> oh, are they not good? I don't know. I mean, Dad said they were good, but I'm I, thinking I've, if you were I've eaten a few. Enough, I've eaten some sparrows and starlings. Over, uh, and yeah. Uh, Dad said they were pretty good, but yeah. I think they were pretty hungry too. So they just sure. like what, what they could get. Yeah, but yeah, that you know that's the roots of all of it, and that's how it was uh, presented to me. Um, there was a uh, again the whole sport aspect. I remember my dad. I got into bass fishing, tur- trying to get into tournaments when I was like fourteen, and my dad did not understand that at all. Oh, uh, like because to him it was it was about the food acquisition yeah it was yeah, about how yeah. can we go catch fish to put on you know put on the table and this was the catch and release not saying that he didn't do that but it was i know that it was foreign to him yeah and, he's like what's this was, what's this bill dance bullshit Let's yeah yeah you know, they, uh, my mom and dad when i was 14 i had to get my first job because i kept wanting to buy fishing equipment and they pretty much told me they weren't buying me any more fishing equipment if i wanted to buy it i had to work for it you know work for the money and so i by the time i was 15 i had two or three tackle boxes crammed full of lures and three or four rods and i was hitching rides with buddies to the bass club and 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 my dad he would ask me some things about it but he never really understood why i was doing it mm-hmm. um so like I said, yeah, all of all of his all of his uh, ties to to hunting and fishing were all utilitarian. How do we sure. do Sure. Yeah, you know, I and the utilitarian axis, I'd say my dad was positioned pretty closely to where I am. Um I mean, I 
I like, like you, I suspect it's much, much more than just that, you know? Um, yeah, but that is incredibly, incredible, integral, integral component of it. Like it is. if I had, if I had, uh, developed some medical condition where I couldn't eat meat, I wouldn't continue to hunt. I'm, I'm in, I'm in the same, I'm in the same place you are. So it's that central. But there's, it's, but there's more to it than that. Well, there, there is because, yeah, because the hunting, the, the eating is, um, I mean, we live on venison. We, mm-hmm. we don't hardly, we rarely buy meat. Um, we're allowed, we're allowed six deer here in Arkansas, six whitetails. And uh, I, I, I need four to get through the year to feed mm-hmm. us. And um, wait, so wait, you have, you have, you're a grandfather? Yeah, I'm a grandfather. At 51. Yeah, so 51. You, don't have any kids at, you don't have any kids at home anymore. No. no. So uh, when you say we, you and your wife can get through or require yeah. four deer. Yeah, four deer. And then, of course, we share. You know, actually, they're, everybody's coming over Sunday. And uh, actually, we're going to eat elk Sunday because Jock gave me some elk when I left my Oh, Oh, that, that's not nice. <laughs> So, but most of the time it's venison. But yeah, and like that's a that's a very um well are you familiar with Paul Shepard? No. Okay. Paul Paul Shepard and I, I can't even remember exact he's a I'm a huge fan uh, I can't remember exact what his exact profession was, but his philosopher, I think he was a human ecologist, I think is what he called himself, a human oh. ecologist. And uh, I would call him an anthropologist. That's uh, when you you know what a what it like a form of a ecology where you where you study one organism. Mm-hmm. It's called they call that aut aut ecology. Okay. Yeah. That 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 may have been the the best classification for him. Is he studied he studied humans' relationship with nature. With the natural and, world, uh, okay. And um, he wrote extensively about it. A beautiful writer, by the way. Deep What's thinker. This? Paul Shepard? Paul Shepard. Okay. I, I encourage you to look him up. Okay. Um, but he, he wrote about, and again, paraphrasing that you can get really deep here, but he thought that the, one of the ultimate acts of love was to kill and eat. And um, that's a really close way to describe how I feel about deer. Um, there's an Wait, what are you loving when you do this? Uh, what's the expression of love being towards well, the I people mean, that are eating your, your loved ones that are eating it. It's not an expression of love to the deer, is it? Uh, well, I don't know. Doesn't, doesn't the wolf love the caribou? Yeah, but I'd say that. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, I guess uh, it's hard to think about what an animal, I mean, I feel definitely feel like my dog, my, my dog, which is just an essential, essentially a wolf. Um, Mm -hmm. every dog is essentially a wolf. Mine just happens to be a Corgi, but they share 99.99% the same DNA as a wolf. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel that she loves me, you know, I, I I would, it'd be hard to convince me otherwise the way that she looks at me and responds to me. 
but I guess it's, I don't feel like I love a deer. I don't know that I love a deer. And I definitely don't feel like I'm committing an act of love when I um, shoot one. Well, um, in the, in the course of human history, not, not okay. Not history. Even back into prehistory. What is the most natural thing that humans did? Uh, forage and hunt. Sure. I mean, those okay. or take That's, a shit. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that follows all the rest of the stuff, yeah. but, but I'm saying is, I mean, there, of course there are different, you know, there's all kinds of, uh, love has a whole lot of different definitions. Sure. And a whole lot of classifications. Um, I, maybe, maybe it's something like it's a, it's an expression of, 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 you being part of an ancient exchange that that occurs between animals or something. It is. Like that, it, it is. And and I don't I think that defining it as love is fair. Again, given the broad scope that word, you know, a lot of stuff fall under that. And, and that's what Paul and Paul, that's what Paul believed as well as what yeah well he wrote that and and but he also understood that you know again what made us human largely was hunting in lots of ways Uh, and so that's such a important part of being human and those relationships with other animals um how do you define those other than that i mean i've i've wrestled with the emotions i have about killing a deer or killing squirrel we lost squirrels um or turkey um i have a obviously there's a fondness i mean that's a baseline right there yeah i'm supremely interested in them i'm supremely yeah 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 yeah. i'm supremely interested in their habits i'm supremely interested in where they live uh what they eat who they're mating with when they're mating with them um and what is love except for intense interest mm. Mm. that's a that's a that's a, a i mean that's I'm a, obsessed. Yeah, but yeah it just gets a little tricky when it does when it's, it's, it's not just intense it's just not it's not just intense interest you are you're also bent on making on being the architect of their demise that's true but that's that's natural i mean that's what humans do yeah same as wolves same as mountain lions bobcats ferrets red tail hawks yeah right 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 i mean and and you know we're just blessed or cursed i guess depending on how you look at it with analytical minds and uh this depth that I'm not saying other animals don't possess, but that we can't understand if they do, but this certain depth that allows us to explore these and put labels on them, uh, explore these emotions, put labels on them. And I'm, I've struggled with how to define that. You know, I've, I've had people, I've had people, you know, you hear it, you, you go hunting or fishing for fun. You're having fun while you're doing it. I don't, I'm, fun's not the word. I would I ever one use. of our one of our fish and game commission appointees here in Montana. I heard him say, "Getting your outdoor fix 
is how he defined. He's he's. That's not a, a good way to say it. But well, again, no, I don't. I don't like it. I think it's. You don't like that, but see, to me, that's no, that's also. I don't. I don't because well, it makes it seem like there. That's taken care of. Oh, I grabbed okay. my rifle and went out and got my outdoor fit. No, I. It's a. This is a. To me, it's. I'm a freaking hunter. It's like no, it's not like done and done until next year. That that okay, I, I get I get it. I get what you're saying now, and yeah. you're right. That's that's the wrong way to look at it because then you're you're viewing yourself as a um I don't know a hobbyist and it's more yeah, than that. exactly. It's not it's not who you are. Yeah. So that's that's not a good example. You're exactly right. But then because that's not how like mine, that's not how I operate. Um you know, my my deer hunting especially because we because we live on venison. And uh, over the years, I've, you know, I went down the trophy trophy path for just a little bit when I was younger, and that wasn't a good. I, I didn't I didn't jive with that. Um, well, you you don't you didn't like trying to get a big one. Nah, I, that kind of diminished the whole thing to me. Oh, see, uh, I still like trying to get a big one. Well, not very I good at see, it. I'm not I very good at it at all, but. I can see some uh, things. You, I remember in one of your one of your essays, you spoke about the sign people. Yeah, and call Harry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. Like, are you familiar with them? I am. Um, I, I want to record a podcast soon where I that the do you did you know do you know about that anthropologist uh, Lee Bo- something Boris Lee that studied not, them. Uh, so the quote in that article was documented by this uh, anthropologist that studied them intensely in the 70s when they were still operating as a hunter-gatherer society. And he writes at length about their cultural mores and how they were finely tuned to enforce modesty mm-hmm. among the hunters. And I want to record a podcast soon about where I'm just going to read all of that. Yeah. They used to like the best hunter of the group used to have to use the, would use an arrow from the worst hunter. So when they brought it, the game back, they would say, Oh, so-and-so killed this kudu. But it was so and so's arrow that killed this kudu. Oh, and so, I didn't know. I didn't. Yeah, know. there was all kinds of stuff built in to. And you probably know about the shaming of the meat, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it's a bit, like and, yeah, going back, just for the listening audience, um, foreshadowing a bit because I fully plan on devoting some effort to these people because I think we have a fuck ton to learn about from them right now because now hunting because of social media everybody can just get on there and just gloat and brag and try to be the next hunting superhero. Yeah. There's yeah. a whole lot to learn from there. And it, uh, one, of the, one of the things that the, the son did, I know, and I don't know this for sure. I've just read some things on it that like a, a bigger animal. Of course they hunted different than we do. They ran it down. I mean, they, they ran an animal down. And, oh, uh, I've re- I didn't know it was them that did that, but yeah, they, they that there were tribes down. that. Would yeah. Shoot. And so, a bigger animal, a more mature animal, and then you know, say an eland or a kudu or a kudu, I guess, with bigger horns would tire quicker, and so they would choose oh, those animals. Really? Yeah, 
Um, but like for trophy hunting here, you know, of course that that doesn't apply. You could argue that you're getting more meat. I can I can see that, but it's not as good uh, though. It, it is. And no, no, the, of, meat, the meat isn't as good. Oh, the meat isn't as good. No, yeah. no, it's not. It's typically tougher. It's oh lower. man, yeah, yeah, it's not. It's not as not as tight. I, I say that though. I've had some mature animals that ate just like some mature deer and elk that ate just like they might as well have been a young cow or doe. Yeah, it but depends then, on a lot of stuff. Then I've had then I've had like older bull elk that was like that was like you need a tit- titanium jaw to get through it. Yeah. It, it depends on a lot of different things, but generally speaking, mature animals aren't as good on the plate. Yeah. And, and you, you touched on it. A lot of the, I mean, it's pretty clear. It's blatant. A lot of the pursuit of trophy animals, this looks like pure ego to me. I mean, I can't, I, I can understand, I guess, a need to, you know, or not a need, but a desire to match wits with the cagiest, with an animal that's seen, you know, a lot of a lot of seasons, and you got to go through all this to go to, to kill it, and that's all. Again, I can understand that, but I also know that a lot of these, you know, when you're doing it, you're also employing the guys that, that I know that are serious about killing big deer. They employ every tool they can. Yeah, see, that's yeah. there. I would to, rather I would rather get a decent deer and not use game cams. Yeah, get that's, a giant that's, deer and, and use game. That's cams. where I'm going. Yeah, that's where I'm going. So I don't I don't want to just I don't want to just say oh trophy hunting sucks and all that, but I do I do think there's an ego element. Obviously, yeah, I, yeah. If okay, and, so I guess we'd have to define trophy hunting. Um, if you fly out to some other state and shoot a big one maybe with a guide on private land or even if it's not and then if by trophy hunting we mean you donate you bring the meat to the butcher and donate it and then fly the head home if that's what trophy hunting is yeah i hate hate loathe trophy hunting now if trophy hunting is me decide i got devoting some more of my vacation track time to get a little bigger one um and then you know showing my friends and family the horns but not being a douchebag and putting it on social media for every for a bunch of strangers to see yeah then then i'm okay with with that 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 if that's trophy hunting then i'm then i'm down with it it, like the social media bit is a huge one for me. Well, it's the like thing is that- it's like when I see somebody put a big animal on social media, I a trophy animal on social media and show stranger it to strangers. I feel it makes me feel sad because I wish that somebody that didn't need to do that had harvested it instead. Yeah, that I, I get it would have been saying. just enough for them to to get it and have a, the set, a set of horns for their den or whatever and share it with a few friends. I'm, I make, I, I'm like sad that they didn't get to that. Somebody like that mm-hmm. didn't get it. But. Well, in, in all of these discussions like this, I mean, I'm, I'm not black and white. I think there's a lot of new right there. Yeah. I'm black and white on some things. Like I, I just, yeah, that. but you on this stuff, like you can't because now I have to check myself, you know, 
and, and talking about sharing stuff on social media. I'll, I'll tell you my social media practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never even got through your introduction. <laughs> Are we just going to skip that and just kind of. What else is there to say? <laughs> yeah, okay. All right. You do some, you do some, um, let's just 20 seconds, 30 seconds. You do like what your bread and, what's your bread and butter? Okay, my, my bread and butter, I'm a I'm an associate editor for Midcurrent Fly Fishing Magazine. Okay. And uh, then I also am a freelance writer and photographer and editor. And I have written for Outdoor Life, The Bitter Southerner, The Drake, Sporting Classics, um, lots of regional magazines, um, Hatch, Hatch Fly Fishing. I've written a lot of stuff for Hatch. He, he's really good about letting me publish it. Publish, about letting me publish some of my more thoughtful works. Um, uh-huh. And um, that's about it. I mean, other than that, I, I hunt and fish when I can. I live in a rural area right now. We got public land half a mile down the road from me, a little section of it. Is that what you mainly before. hunt? You you mainly hunt public? Uh, yeah, I only hunt public. Um, and you're able to kill four deer a year doing it. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, mostly. And then, and then um, – I've got the Ozark National Forest, which is almost a million acres, maybe more. It's it's like 15 miles north of me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I've got public land all around. Uh, I hunt fish, got two daughters, um, three do grandkids. They, do they, are, do they, are they sports people? They don't hunt anymore, but both of them have killed deer, and one of them has killed a turkey, killed two turkeys, actually. Um and they they both love venison, um, wild game. They love eating it, and they they're 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 both very, I won't say just accepting and understanding. I mean they they get it. I mean we if we're gonna eat meat, we're gonna get it. Hopefully, almost every time by my hands or by their uh, by their hands. All that. No, so they don't eat. They don't buy. No, they well they they do. Let me back up. Yeah, you have to edit some of this out because I missed some of that. They, if they eat over here, I see. Here's, here's where I was going. When they come over here, they expect to have venison. Okay. And like they will come over here and say, "Oh my gosh, I haven't had deer sausage in forever. Can we have some deer sausage?" Sure. I mean, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. So they they grew up in in that and both had a hand in taking an animal or actually took the animal's lives um, with an understanding of what it meant. And it was one of those things that I never, I never tried to force it on them. I made it, they knew what I did, you know, and, and I wanted them to experience it if they wanted to. And they both did. Uh And um, that was my goal. And I I was successful in that. I'll be doing the same thing. We got, I got three grandkids at the moment. Yeah. One of your pieces talks about. Yeah. I got, uh, I got two granddaughters and a grandson and my oldest granddaughter those grandchild is going to be seven this year so we're she's already caught a few fish we're considering a bb gun um and maybe starting down the road with that and uh she's already talking about going to the woods with me um so yeah that's that's my life it's actually pretty boring but also very full oh it sounds <laughs> Sounds downright delightful and low stress to me. It is pretty much, yeah, it is pretty low stress. Um, um so where 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 I want to ask you more about your granddaughter um and and hunting 
that's one of the two things that I thought that I wanted to talk to you about because you write about her, you write about her and your father, mm-hmm. like in that one article. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that article called? Oh, my, my grandfather. Um, grandfather. Yeah, how to save the world. Uh, because, yeah, because, um, you know, I told you I can't remember. I told you earlier that I couldn't remember the time before fishing. I don't, I, I don't remember learning how to fish. It's always been something I've done. And um, a lot of that, even more than my dad, I think, was my grandfather, uh, my maternal grandfather, who was a, and he died. I was seven years old, I think, when he passed away. Um, and I, so I didn't get to spend a lot of time with him. But but the years he, we were together, I, I was with by his side quite a bit. And he fished. And what I understand in his younger days, he was voracious. I mean, fishing, hunting all the time. And um, he, I have very fond and clear memories of following him to a pond or to a creek and fishing. And uh, he also, though, probably probably as much as the fishing, what shaped who I am uh, today is that um, he would always catch animals for me. I was I was obsessed with animals, just all kinds of animals from like live trap them. He would catch them by hand. I mean, we're talking like lizards, frogs, okay. snakes. Yeah, um, yeah. You go into this a bit in the article. Yeah, yeah, insects. In and uh, during my uh, early years in school, in grade school, I would ride the school bus to my grandparents' house. And I, of course, I don't know if it was every day, but regularly he would meet me at the bus with something in a jar. And it might be, a, <laughs> that is, you know, it might be a, might be a, a cotton rat or a, a fence lizard or a, a frog or I don't know. It could be anything. I remember one time he, I wrote a whole article based on this. He met me with a snake and um, he told me, um, and I remember that I couldn't have been more than six years old, um, but I remember him telling me to not talk about the snake in front of my grandma. <laughs> and um, it was like, okay, you know, and, and of course, you know, we were always taught not to pick up snakes and all that stuff, you know, because there's, there are several venomous species around here. And, and, but he showed it to me and he held it and he showed me how to hold it which was rare for a, you know, 70-something-year-old man in, in 1970s Arkansas that really didn't have an education in any of this stuff to just – most people around here want to kill snakes as soon as they see it. Mm-hmm. And, and he took great care to show me this snake and let me hold it. And I remember him telling me, and I talked to my grandma about it, though. And so years later, after he'd passed away – why, why, why did he want – well, grandma of the loop? because my grandmother was deathly afraid of snakes. And and, and, and also, and, and she thought she would think that was going to hurt her precious. Yes. Grandson. And also, you have to understand the culture here. I mean, I'm in the Bible Belt, you know. The oh, snake yeah. Is what, yeah. Serpent snake is what tempted Eve. Bad rap in the, exactly. Yeah. The snake is what tempted Eve. And so that, that plays into it. But anyway, really? Yeah. Like that's like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Dude, yeah, <laughs> it's 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 sometimes it's really overt, and people don't even try to hide, hide that. that that's it's there. No. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not, but it's still built in. It's still baked into the culture. Sure. And uh, so, but I remember asking her about it, and she and she recalled it. She said, "Oh my gosh, yes, I remember him catching a snake." 
And I told him, why in the world would you? I told him, go kill it and get rid of it. And did he not get, get rid of it? And I was like, no, he didn't. He showed it to me. You know, like, oh, I can't believe he did that. I mean, she went on about it for 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> anyway, him sharing of that world with me was probably more important than anything else. And, 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 and who I am today and how I view um, my connection to wild things and wild places and all that stuff. It, it actually took me, you know, I could, I could experience all these things as something other than a consumer. Uh-huh. Right. <laughs> you know, I could, I could experience these, these wonders and, and not worry or can not think about how I can use this or how I can benefit me or how I can feed me. Just, just experience it. Yep. And I know that again, that sounds very new agey and uh, come out of my mouth. I done not to me. I mean, I, I having an understanding connection with the natural world, if, if that's hippy dippy or, well, and my grandpa was not hippie. I mean, yeah, really, I bet not. Yeah. No, he was a farmer. He wore yeah. a seed company hat and coveralls, and, <laughs> and uh, you know that—that's not who he was at all. And I, that's why I'm still to this day. I wonder where he got that. Where did yeah. that come from? Um, but anyway, so, for whatever reason, he passed it down to me, and and yeah, I'm passing it down to my grandkids. Um, I pass it down to my daughters and my grandkids. And that's how I want them to to view the natural world. Yeah. So I, I I talk when I when I talk to friends with kids and uh I live in a state that's like traditionally great hunting state, you know. Um but the it's it's becoming so compromised the hunting's becoming so compromised here that i that i often say that i wouldn't i wouldn't encourage my kids to, i don't think i'd encourage my kids to hunt if i if i, I would try to cultivate other interests in them if i had mm-hmm. kids in in this in this state you know i gotta predicate that on that i don't know what's going on in the rest of the country all i know is a that this is traditionally a great hunting state and b it's getting tougher and tougher here Mm -hmm. um i think that that being the case if i was going to raise my kids here i would i i would i'd hate to because you know you know how it is hunting gets under your skin in a in a way that's impossible to get rid of and and some people just you could you can you could there's some kids and i have kids like this in my life that you could introduce them to it in the in the in the optimal way, and they still wouldn't be into it. Mm-hmm. They just don't have that mm-hmm. um, in them. It's not in their freaking DNA. But then there's some kids that it just grabs a hold of them. Sounds like that's what happened to you. That's yeah. what happened to me and my my brothers and a lot of my friends. I'm like, would I would would do I want to unleash that passion in somebody that isn't going to have a way to fulfill it? But then in talking to you, it sounds like still pretty good, right? I mean, you're still able to kill four deer a year on public land and get some squirrels and 
in a turkey I mean, or two is it has it i'm trying to i'm trying to get a sense for hunting in america outside of the state i live in like is it bad is it is it just as good as always is it better is it worse um i mean it's hard to say i mean there's been fluctuations in some species you know wild turkeys are are way down they're coming back now what about Uh, crowding crowd well the, the turkeys part of the problem there was too many hunters um and bad seasons bad bad dates uh disrupted breeding um and you know i, I read your essay uh, an argument you know saying we didn't need more hunters and and i agree with it because hunters nowadays are more i had someone else tell this explain this to me and i I, it made perfect sense there may be and i don't know about actual hunter numbers i get like you said in your essay that's hard to quantify it's hard to really get a number how many how many hunters are this day how many yeah how many and the thing that really really matters the thing that really matters is even harder to get is harder to quantify because what what really matters is hunters per hunter, hunter, hunters per huntable acre. Yeah, um, and and you can't get that by looking at license sales. Um, well, so you have two that the you know, hunters per hunter eight hunters per huntable acre is uh, both the numerator and the denominator are uncertain. Yeah, they you are. Know. And then and then you don't know, you don't know how many days, you know, how much time someone is actually hunting. You don't, you don't know that. But license license it, sales appear to be very, have, appear to have gone up since we were kids yeah. at a steady pace, yeah. which would lead one to believe that the hunter hours have increased. I would be, be my guess. Huntable acres has clearly gone down. Yes. Um, there's 40, there's 40% more human beings occupying space in this country than there was in the eighties. And, and, and each of those human beings, um, has twice as much living space as they did in the eighties, high housing space. And and even like, and, you know, part of the reason that I know that I, I hunted and fished when I was a kid so much is. So I lived in a rural area and I had access to all this private land because everybody knew my grandparents, they're my mom and dad, we could go all these places and you can't do it anymore. Um, really anywhere. Oh, so, so you, your, your hunting life, I mean, your hunting opportunity used to be largely on private, but then you, over time yeah. you shifted to public land hunting. Well, I could, when, when the, one of my grandparents, one set of my grandparents lived surrounded by national forest. So anytime you stepped off their property, you were on public land. And then my other one in where I lived, our home, they had private land around it. But again, everyone knew everyone. And if I want to go kill a squirrel, you know, and Bill's little oak woods behind the barn, he didn't care, you know, as long as yeah. mom and dad knew I was there. Uh, that's, that's the one awesome. thing you can still get permission here is squirrel hunting. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe that here, but. Even then, most people, most good places around here are, are sizable acreage has been leased up. 
uh-huh. somebody's got a got a you know line on it. Yeah. So that's changed. Um, I think again, someone told me explained it this way that maybe there may be fewer hunters, but the hunters are more dedicated. A, a larger segment of them are more dedicated. Um, are more you know earnest, more uh, knowledgeable. Um, I don't. I don't run into a lot of. I run into several people during turkey season. I think but, the one thing no, that squeezes I, it down a whole lot is that they, their hunters are way more willing to spend money and lock up land for themselves now. So you have s- small numbers of hunters that want an exclusive experience that, yeah. um, and are willing to enable to pay for it. So they, you know, take out a big chunk of the hunting huntable acres for themselves and squeeze the rest of us on, on the smaller and smaller or yeah, smaller and smaller pieces. Um, yeah, that's one of my major beefs with hunting. I think that people that do that are just like they're incredibly brutal to the rest of the hunting community. Um, I, they I, they are there. Well, there's a sense of ownership of the animals. Yeah, which I mean that flies in the face of all kinds of things. You know, wildlife management for starters. Yeah, but. Um, like people, I, I'm even, rel- I, I, I was telling some other guys this on a, another episode recently that I recorded that I, I don't, I don't all hold landowners responsible for that. I don't, I'm not upset with them. I'm not even upset with the outfitters that lease up lands. I like to keep this squarely on the hunting community because mm-hmm. I, feel like we are we are hunters in america should be working working together as a group and that we should have each other's back and um if certain hunters didn't gobble up land for themselves using money then the land order wouldn't would let up presumably allow still allow most landowners a lot of them would still allow some public hunting oh yeah outfitters wouldn't have anybody to peddle their wares to Mm -hmm. um so i yeah that's just my my take on that is it's it's a shame that hunters are willing to do that to other hunters well and i think you know i mean opportunity is obviously a big thing and it's diminishing. Uh, I think everybody can say that even and there. It, yeah, it is. I mean, again, I hunt, I hunt public land and uh, I don't have, I don't have access to any property and I might if I've knocked on a few doors, but I don't really want to mess with it. And I don't want to have to deal with someone then asking for money for a lease or anything yeah. like that. Uh, and I have, I have fairly easy access to public land. I don't have a reason, you know, to do it, but I think, you know, in all this, and we hear all this talk about the future of hunting and recruitment of more hunters is, is, you know, a big part of that campaign, but what, what, yeah, what is the end game here? I mean, I've asked that question some, um, well, I mean, you know, we're running, we are running out of room and we may be a ways off from it being totally, you know, opportunity lost on a larger scale but it is more difficult 
to find a little corner in the woods away from everyone else. Yeah. Um, like I said, my, what I do is I typically try to go places other people won't either because it's a little more difficult to get to, or it's something they're easily overlook. Yeah. Um, my best whitetail spots are places other people just go right past. They, they don't even pay attention to them, but it's, it's, it is more difficult every year to find a place to get away from everyone else. And so, yeah, what, again, what's, what's the end game here recruiting hunters, even if we have all this political cloud or, or whatever you want to call it, uh, if we don't have a place to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are. No. You know, one of the the guys I told you was an influence of mine is David Peterson. He has a fantastic take on this. You know, he he said, we don't don't need more hunters. We need better hunters. We need more conscientious hunters. We need more thoughtful hunters. We need more hunters that view their uh, participation uh, in the circle as a – not a not as not as only a consumer, not as only a um, a taker, um, s- someone that has a more holistic view of the relationships with the land and with the animals, but also with um, the actual aspect of hunting. You know, I mean, all of that. And I know that sounds super deep and philosophical, but it's really not, I don't think that hard to get there. We just have to have a cultural shift. Yeah. Um, and you know, your campaign, what, what you're doing, I think is shifting that culture, um, shifting it away from uh, the need for validation and the public, you know, mm-hmm. I, I know one of your essays I, I read that I thought was yeah, I remember like when my family members would kill a deer, it was a big deal. There weren't many deer around here then. I remember my uh-huh. dad killed deer. But that little um, celebration was confined to our family. Yeah. And there was something very, that intimacy, that, um, I don't know. There was something about that that was so wholesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. Uh, I mean, there's, time, there's even time, there's times where even though I don't do the gripping and the grinning on social media, there's times where I'll send a text out to, to friends when I shoot something. Mm-hmm. And there's been times when there's been too many names on the texts. <laughs> and yeah. even that starts to feel starts, yeah. sit a little sick to me but when it's well, really people your your cherished loved ones that really root for you and know how hard you're working at it yeah it is pure then like it's, and, it's and, gonna, they, and they're really truly are happy for you you know yeah or if it's people that are going to be eating the meat from that animal yeah that yeah, yeah. i mean that's that's what it was about you know and like I, and i think i never I never tell you what my social media habits are um but with with fish for starters, I don't do any more gripping grins. Uh-huh. I had a I had a friend. He didn't call me out several years ago, but he made a comment on a post. It was an Edward Abbey quote, and it was something about that the, the dead animal was more. I don't know. There was more respect for the dead animal than the fool holding it, or something like that. I don't remember what it was. Oh, anyway, oh, wow. it made me. 
I just, yeah, it made me rethink. I have to find the quote. It's pretty stout. Ed Ed Heavy's pretty stout though. Oh, if you could if you could send that to me, I'd love to see that. I'll find it. Um, but anyway, he he quoted shared that quote, and I know he did it. He didn't do it to be mean, uh, but I thought about it a lot, and um, and I started looking at other gripping grands and ones I'd done and ones other people done, and yeah, there was something just inherently. I don't know. Hey, what look at me about it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and again, those those pictures I saw of my dad holding a dead deer on a Polaroid, that didn't elicit the same feelings. You, you know, even though he, you know, was bloody, the deer was good at that, and they had blood all over his face and all that. You know, he wasn't cleaned up at all, but it was so real and again intimate and just shared with family. You know, it mm-hmm. was as a it was a photo that. We all looked at it and put it in either in an album or in a cardboard box or in a, or a shoe box, you know. But but having that all over social media just didn't feel right to me. Not not that I thought bad of anyone else doing it, it's just something I won't, didn't want to do. So I do. Now with fish, <laughs> I, I think fish are, are beautiful. I mean, yeah, you know, okay. I fish. So I try to take a photo if I catch one that's particularly you know marked with some. I don't know. So they're all pretty. I usually take pictures of all of them. I'll take a photo of it and I'll, I'll share it. I'll share a photo of a fish. I'm never in the picture. Mm-hmm. Um, on deer, I typically take here lately. I've been taking pictures of blood drops on leaf mm-hmm. and maybe there'll be a silhouette or the deer in the background on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm never in it. Um, I try to share some kind of quote from someone that's a much better writer or thinker than I am about the weight of this, you know, that this animal died, that I killed it, um, and and maybe try to summarize some of the emotions going on there. That That's it. And Is the there any I part of you it, that feels like you're – like, the, you, you is there any – the question, I guess, is: Is there any part of you feels like you might be just more subtly bragging that way? Yeah, I've considered that. Um, that's crossed my mind quite a few times, and I've wrestled with it. There's got and, there's yeah. people that try to tone it down, but it's yeah. So that's so, but it's so obvious that it's like a half-hearted attempt yeah. to tone it down that it becomes even more cheesy than if they just outright grip and grin. Yes, like I, I saw one to. recently, like one I've had to kind of hold my nose and look at some of this garbage because I'm trying to comment on it, you know? Yeah. Um, although I, 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 uh, highly encourage hunters to stop looking at hunting TV and hunting social media. Oh, I, think. I, I, I don't like that at all. We can talk about that. Um, but, <laughs> But I, I have to hold my nose and look at it just enough to see what I'm commenting on. But I saw what here's an example. I saw a, a fellow, he's out in a big open field and he's holding up a ginormous bull elk rack and he's got like a sleeveless shirt on and the wow. sun's beaming down on his muscled torso. And and then he must have realized that he, he risked uh being interpreted as a ham so the whole caption the whole (laughs) caption is about how much he loves his son Uh, yeah 
And then there's a lot of comments below it and it worked. Like nobody yeah. was, was like, come on the sun thing. Does yeah. your son really have anything to do with this? Yeah. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Mine's, mine's not quite that cheesy. <laughs> what, and there's, there's reasons I want to do this. And I, I wrestle with, yes. Am I just trying to brag? Am I objectifying the deer? Am I using the deer to further my uh, standing in the hunting community or with whatever else? But there's there's a couple reasons I know that I do it. <clears throat> N- uh, number one, and this this may sound really lame, but I want to maintain street cred in the hunting and out in the fishing world I, because I think I have some thoughts. I, I want to shift that culture just like we talked about earlier. And I can't shift that culture from the outside. Um, I, um, I, I think that my endeavor, my little endeavor here is, is probably going to fail and not shift things at all. Um, I don't, I, I don't I'm trying to do it without putting grip and grins online. <clears throat> I, I don't, I, I don't think, well, I, but I think that that component again, that, that, um, if you if you again I always the street cred is the best way I can yeah and that you're not the first person that that's told me that I I interviewed eight social media hunters for one of those articles I wrote mm-hmm. um seven six of eight of them admitted that bragging was a motivation and then after the article ran a, a seventh a seventh one admitted that bragging was a motivation the guy that that said did not list bragging among his motivations said his only reason for doing it was to sell products. Um, and that he wouldn't do it if, if it would not be, he would not do it if it wasn't for trying to get people okay. to, and see, to, 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 to buy something. And, and I'm not, I'm not really selling anything. I don't think I've ever sold an article based on my ability. to kill yeah, Just let me just quickly. I just want to finish that point. Uh, oh, okay. But other hunters said that garnering credibility was a motivation. Yeah. And, and again, credibility. And, and from my perspective, for me is so that when I speak or when I, when I write something that, they won't just pass it off as a poser or, you know, whatever. I'm, I'm part of this community. So that, that gives me the right to critique it. In my opinion, if I'm, if I'm part of this community, I can critique it as heavily as I want to. Yeah. That's, Um, that's, that's a difficult point to grapple with because it is. I mean, I mean, I, there's, I'm sure if, well, like if you were to graph the number of, followers somebody somebody has on the x-axis and the number of sponsors they have or something like that on the y-axis there would be a positive correlation between oh, those absolutely. two. so that just shows that even the money even the moneyed interest the industry realizes that oh oh but there's another component the more to have more followers, you have to have more kills. Yeah. So um, even the even the industry knows that credibility sells products. It does. And and the more dead stuff you have online, the more credibility you have. It does. But I'm not selling any product. I don't. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm just. 
I yeah, just, I get what you're saying, but yeah. that, but that credibility still, again, then when somebody comes across something I read that's critical of the culture of hang culture, and again, I don't think there's anyone better to be critical of culture than somebody that's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, then it's okay. This guy's done it. He set out in a tree stand, you know, all yeah. day long from daylight till dark, and he's hunted turkeys until uh, he lost 10 pounds and, you know, came back home after a week and it and drew down on a feather. And so I've got that credibility. And then the, the second reason I do it is because I have a lot of, I don't have a big social media following. I don't have following out of friends. I mean, I'm, I may have picked up a few people that are fans of my writing, but probably not a lot, mm-hmm. but I have a lot of people that I think highly of that I'm friends with on social media. So what, what about that? What about this as a hybrid strategy? Like, couldn't you have a private account and then you don't need, who do you need? Okay. Do you need, do you need credibility from people for them to be interested in reading your articles or do you need credibility with people that, um, you're trying to entice into publishing one of your pieces or something like that? I don't need it for either one of those. I don't, I don't chase either one of those. Oh, it's but I just, thought you said the reason you did this was because you, you no, did the credibility the I want is just so that my words carry weight for whoever reads it. I want it, it. However, a piece finds someone, I want them to know if they go look me up on Facebook, which is what everybody does nowadays. I mean, that's the first thing I did with you. When I heard your name, I went and looked you up on Facebook. That's how you I didn't see out. that I have you didn't you saw that I have zero posts. I did, I did. <laughs> and so I sent you a message. But so that's what you know, that's what they're gonna do. So they read an article I write again talking about this hippy dippy crap. Now Johnny loves deer. What the fuck's he talking about? You know, this guy must be a blah blah blah, probably a latte sipping, you know, hipster poser dude. And then they go on my page and and they see a, a guy, you know, wearing a flannel shirt with beard and, and he's got a deer down and takes a picture of the blood and says something kind of, you know, fairly deep about the experience here. He's killing deer. He, he's yeah, one of us. How right. can, you know, this is not, maybe I need to give his words a little more credence here, you know? And so yeah. that's, that's what I'm talking about credibility. I've never, ever sold an article uh, by killing an animal. Never. I've, I've never, that's never been a goal. That's not, it's never entered my mind that taking pictures of fish or deer or squirrels or turkeys would help me uh, sell something. Yeah. I think that there are a lot of people that do kill animals. Oh yeah. Way way more than animals than they need because they're trying to attract sponsors. Yes. And and I've been accused of that. I've been accused of that, but I've, I've never done it. I've never, that's just not, again, it's not even in my head. Um, yeah, the other reason like, I, do it, I hear uh, what you're, I hear what you're saying and I want you to have credibility because you're like, I, if we've been talking for what an hour and a half, Jesus, it's been that long. <laughs> and you are, you are somebody that I want to have credibility, you know? Yeah. But God, it's just such a slippery slope It is because it is, the next not- step, I mean, for everyone that's trying to gain credibility because to do the right thing there's 20 people that are trying to gain credibility so that they can sell stuff and yeah. use dead animals as props yeah um to make statements about themselves 
yeah. and all of the things that I detest. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's why it's what you're hearing me say is probably having, you're having a tough time computing it because it's not the norm. I mean, but it, listen, if I wanted to make money, I've got, I could figure out a way to make money. And that's, that's not, that's not what this is about. Right. But I, um, I, I, I'm equally concerned about people, especially kids, because kids have caught on to this, um, of you using it to, to, to gain notoriety. Yeah. Well, the, the whole idea of, of a being a professional hunter is abhorrent to me. That actually, I don't even sounds, know what that means. That sounds, that sounds perverse to me. If, if you're, if you're filming it, it's not hunting. No, if you're filming so, it, it's pornography. I mean, that's that's obvious. Yeah. That. So like, if, if, so I don't know what the term professional hunter means. Is it means that you get honey from filming your hunts? Well, just by virtue of filming them, it's no longer hunting. So you're not a professional hunter. You're that, a professional something. But it is it is an oxymoron. It doesn't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly. Yeah, it that's doesn't work. work. And, and yeah. again, I the whole idea of it, I, I can't. I despise it. But um, so that that's not my angle. The, the only other reason I post is I have so many friends that I think highly of on social media that a lot of them don't hunt. I have a few that are vegetarians. Um, I have had them reach out to me in public or in private message, expressing that they real they they appreciated that to know, knowing that not all hunters were the same. Mm-hmm. That there were hunters out there that were more conscientious that were um that weren't about you know making money off of this or actually not making money but about, about ego or bloodthirsty or um you know all these other negative characteristics yeah have someone that that can try to articulate the the emotions that go into killing an animal and 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 the actions and how again deeply they are deeply intimate they are i mean you're taking a life yeah you're putting your hands in some in in another being's body Mm -hmm. and you're eating that meat that's god dang i mean how much more intimate can you get (laughs) i mean seriously that's you know and so and so that's that's what i tried that's what i'm trying to present um yeah, the reason I think at, we could talk about this for a long time, but at the end of the day, I'm going to remain opposed to it full stop because it's just too easy for everyone to say that. It's just too easy for everyone to say that, yes, there's a lot of people that show strangers what they shoot. Um to to for for uh unvirtuous reasons but i do it too you know for my reasons are pure and when i look at the sum total of all of it it's it's overwhelmingly so hunting social media is overwhelmingly negative for my my perspective so like I, you know, we just, we'll end up as much as I can tell that, you know, you and I would be <laughs> very good friends and I would, you know, love to go hunting with you. I just, we're just going to, we'd end up, uh, we're always going to end up 
agreeably disagreeing on on that you know well here's the thing though i'm not i'm not saying that i'm not going to change my mind on that yeah yeah i'm wrestling with it all the time and and what you're saying is absolutely correct and you know the only way you don't know people's true intent there you can't i mean you can take clues you can take context clues i can rule out a whole bunch if they don't put their stuff on social media if they don't put it on social media I can rule well, yeah. out a whole bunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. But that's, yes, I, I, of course, I can agree with that. But I don't know. Again, I'm I'm still wrestling with it. It's not something that I've made peace with. It's not something I kind of hope I don't ever make peace with it, whichever way I decide to go. Mm-hmm. Hope it's something I keep debating within myself. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's easily abused. It's easily um, manipulated for personal gain. Um, yeah, you're not going to argue for me on it. I mean, mm-hmm. again, almost, none of my views, hardly any of my views are black and white. I have, a, I do have a few. Uh, we talked about videoing. I've, I've got a real, real problem with video hunts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a, I, I, I want to, I want to, if, if we, if you want to keep talking about this, we can, but I, I want to ask you about, your granddaughter mm-hmm. so now that i've gotten a sense that you you have concerns about the future of hunting and where where you are and that will it be of sufficient quality to feel good about uh instilling passion in your in your granddaughter to do it like do you have worries that she might be one of these kids that it just gets in her bones and then it just won't be like it was for you? It won't be as good, no. it won't be as fulfilling as it was for you. Um, I can't remember what First Nations chief said this, but one of them said if you kill all the buffalo. We will hunt mice because we are hunters. Uh huh. And I, I know that's how I am. Um, if you know situations shift and I can't, there's not as many whitetails around, or not as many opportunities for me to hunt whitetails. I will hunt more squirrels. Yeah, I'm the same way. I I tell people I have a friend of mine that we talk we talk about our worries about future of hunting it's there's a lot of land getting locked up out here and a lot of crowding and um i tell him and this is this is absolutely true that before i stopped hunting i would poach (laughs) i would i would i would trespass and poach before i stopped hunting that's yeah i mean that's that's the thing and and the the i would I would never discourage any of my grandchildren. I'm actually going to encourage them vigorously mm-hmm. to become hunters and anglers. And I, because I think I'm not saying that there are, there are of course many paths to, you know, have a relationship with wildness 
Yeah. And, and those I are the ones know. I feel really good about encouraging if yeah. I had kids would be like, it's I definitely good. would be like your granddad and bring in yes. mugs and jars that, to the bus. Part of it. You know, I mean, there's you know. a whole thing too. It's not just hunting and fishing. Yeah. It's, it's a whole other, you know, basically being a naturalist. Um, but there is a, that relationship between predator and prey is really unique and I know this sounds weird, but I think it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I know that my life is infinitely richer because of the relationship that I have with those animals. Um, I know that I have a better understanding not only of myself, but I have a better understanding of this place I call home. I have a better understanding of the soil of the flora, of the watersheds, of how water moves from this place to that place, of which, yeah, which trees go grow where, again, when, what wildflowers bloom. Uh, all of this, I believe, is a direct product of me spending time in the woods in pursuit of animals. Yeah. And I know not every hunter goes that way. I, I know. And I, I would say that that's true, that, that not every hunter derives that much um, character from hunting like that you ha- have. And I would also say that it's not a necessary precondition for being a person of character and a fully fledged no, human. Thank God it's not. Because no, only 5% not. of Americans hunt. Yeah. If it was a prerequisite to being a fully fledged human being that you hunt, we'd be so screwed. That would mean seeing 20 well, hunters that, for every hunter you see now or living well, about, that, or living around a lot of assholes. Yeah. But know? doesn't that speak more to there being just way too many people than anything else? <laughs> hey, you had, you, you're the one that had kids. I didn't. I, that, is a, that is a fair point <laughs> bullseye um you're exactly right but all we did was replace all my wife yeah, did was replace yeah, yeah, yeah. but not, i mean i get you're exactly right you're making a, you're making a good point but again that's indicative of a bigger problem to me personally and i've had this debate with another good friend who's uh, i won't mention his name you'll know him you'll know who it is if he hears this but I'm not going to say that it's required, that hunting is required to be fully human. But I am going to say that, what, two million years of evolution, that's what we were. And a lot of our characteristics, our physical traits, our, our our mental capabilities are directly, directly linked to that. And not only that, but also our relationship to, again, like I told you, mine, my relationship to the land. I I would say this. I will say this. Even the the least thoughtful hunter, I'm going to say, is going to know more about the land, more about the trees, more about natural cycles than someone in general that does not hunt. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd say so, the same about somebody that works for a national park. That's true. 
That's true. But that's a profession that's, I mean, just talking about the general public, and we sure. say hunters versus non-hunters. Yep. Um, that, I mean, there, there's something there that you gain in that pursuit that has high value, I think. Yeah. And, and I understand not everyone is, not everyone takes to it. Man, we've been as a species ever since, you know, the Neolithic, um, you know, when we started raising crops and building fences and crap, we've been separating ourselves from, from nature, insulating ourselves from nature. And um, so during that 10,000 years, there have been changes, <clears throat> changes in, um, well, a lot of the stuff that we knew for the, the two million years prior is now alien to a lot of us. And so I don't expect everyone to pick it up. I don't mm-hmm. expect everyone to, to be as excited as I am about getting out in the woods when it's 10 degrees. And actually, it, doesn't, it rarely gets 10 degrees here. When it gets down to 20 degrees and you're out there before daylight, I don't expect they're, you know, waiting on, on hoof, hoof falls and leaves. I, I don't expect everyone to get excited about that. Yeah. But I do think that there is there is some part of us, some part of that buried probably in everyone. It's just been covered up with all this other stuff. Yeah. It probably, the picture that, the picture that emerges like when I hear you talk about this is like, I don't, I I don't think that any individual has to hunt to be fulfilled. There's other ways to be fulfilled, but maybe to have a complete, well-functioning society, we have to have some individuals that hunt. I think that's fair. Because... And that, that seems about right to me um, because the hunting community is going to be, is incentivized to, to develop um, ex- a set, uh, excellence in, in certain areas, uh, just in their ability to observe nature and interact with nature. Um, and that's a, that's a piece of the, the collective human experience. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, but then there are other people like that are high powered intellectuals that are at the forefront of human discovery. And I would argue that they're every bit as valuable as hunters are in in, In our current condition. Definitely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. or, Or even, uh, mixed martial arts fighters that I look at that that kind of follow that um, and the level of commitment and the will and the willingness that they have to put them through self themselves through pain, both in training and fighting. And, and how is that not that striving, that kind of striving, how is that not making humanity better? Just to, just to witness them do that, to witness them try to, be excellent in that way to have people doing that. That's probably part of the milieu of the things that make humanity what it is. There's just, so I think you can be, I think you can be a complete human being without hunting, but maybe we can't have a complete society without hunters. I think you need some segment 
I'm I'm not going to agree with you completely, but I think you have a good point. But I think that there, I think if if we don't have hunters, that we're going to lose a very very important component of humanity. Yeah, well, so, so so if if you didn't pick up that that's where I was going, then I yeah just, I, did, I, just I did okay. I did say I think I think we're going to, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I, part of me wants to say that I think everyone should have at least a hand, a hand at some point in bringing their own food to the table, and that might be that might be doing a garden. That might be, mm. um, you know, killing your own chicken. To eat mm-hmm. one time, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah the saying, I, yeah. I think that, that there's something lost there when you lose. I mean, f- food is you know why we originally hunted. It's why I hunt now, um, for the most part. Turkeys are something different, but that's anyway. It's a different thing. But anyway, if we lose that, um, that kind of visceral connection to the natural world I, I i wonder what that would mean for wild places for soil health for health of waterways um you know if if you don't have this hands-on understanding I, that's where i'm at and i don't know if i articulated that quite as well as i had it in my head even though i'm still struggling with it in my head i, I think i get it okay yeah. I, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to see if it if that accords with my experience. Like I live in this rural agricultural community. There's no one here that I don't. None of my friends. I have lots of friends here that don't aren't avid hunters. Maybe every few years they go with their buddy for a day or two, and they probably all raised a few chickens and in their life at one point or another or had a couple sheep that on the place that on, on grandma's place that they raised up and then butchered for me. And I don't know. I don't know. It net, they don't have that. It's not something that is incredibly important to them. Mm-hmm. And, but I don't know. Are, did it change them in some way? Are they, were they completely unchanged by those experiences and they basically have the same value system they would have had they not done that or did it in subtle ways change who they are? I don't know. I don't know. I, I think when you, when you're involved though, in that um, when you're actually part of that food chain, not just, or I guess not part of the food chain, but in the, in that circle and you're responsible for taking this life or, planting this seed or whatever it it helps you realize the hmm i'm not exactly sure how to word this i I think there's a there's a whole lot of the the disconnect between like how we get food uh you know most people just go to the grocery store to get whatever they need i think that has that has dire consequences um for again uh soil water land sure. all these other things and and if you don't 
have a realization that this is this is what we're tethered to you know mm-hmm. you're less <laughs> apt to protect it then yeah these weather patterns and these waterways and and all this stuff this is what we're dependent on we mm-hmm. have to make sure that this is here yeah and i could see how you could get that from gardening or hunting or yeah, yeah. Or, or livestock husbandry any of those yeah yes that, done on livestock husbandry done on a personal level not right not a, right not in a factory farm setting yeah. but yes yeah. uh but, but yeah that yeah that 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 makes that makes a, a lot of sense to me there's something there's some things that i think about in this like with this stuff that uh it's just it's at the edge of my understanding of or edge of my convictions like i guess i'm i'm closer to i'm closer to being um an animal rights activist than i am to being somebody that trots out dead animals um for the quest in the quest of like fame and money like i would rather <laughs> what's that i am too <laughs> you know so so i feel more like there's a lot of I believe well-intentioned animal rights activists with very good arguments about why killing animals might not be the right thing, you know? And I disagree with them. Obviously I I devoted my life to hunting. Um, but I'm, but I'm way more sympathetic to them than I am. Uh, to people that use dead animals acquired through hunting for what I take to be perverse incentives. Yeah. It's, um, it's not the killing. This the problem. It's the objectification. Yeah. It's the, it's the using a dead animal as a tool. An instrument. Yeah. You're yeah. killing an animal. To, yeah. That's, that's perverted. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I think it is. I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't, I don't know how to put that. You know that uh, my first realization of that was the Outdoor Channel and hunting shows and that kind of stuff. And I remember when I was younger, I would watch them, and then I started feeling icky about it. Yeah, you know, and when I look at that stuff, a lot of times I'm like, "Man, this is my thing. This is like yeah. my thing. This is my thing. Like not just just mine. It's a lot of people's, but this is something that I hold." Dear, and these people yeah. are making a spectacle out of it. Well, it's the the best analogy I've heard is this pornography. Yeah, you're taking a very private and very again intimate. I've used that word a lot, but it applies. You're taking a very private, a very intimate, a very weighty moment, and you're turning it into a spectacle. Yeah, and, that and is, then you look in the corner not, of the TV screen. Exactly. And there's a ticker tape that's showing yeah. all the products that they're using. 
And you know, you got a money shot. makes me so sad. It does. It's it's like you got a money shot. You got the blood, you know, coming out. It's just the analogy is perfect. Uh, I think David Peterson's the first one I've read that said that. But yeah, that's what it is. And that's why you feel, that's why I felt, I figured that out. That's why I felt icky about watching it. This is Mm. not something I should be watching. Um, And, you know, I've actually tried to watch a few that I thought were done with more respect. Um, Still, it just seems like an act that did not need to be publicized. Yeah, it doesn't need to be on TVs and computer screens. No, it's not. It's something that I think the only people that should see it are the the only the only beings that should see it are the beings in the moment. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know when you yeah you had to be there to see it <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's that's just the way it's, that's that's how I feel about it. Um, and I, I haven't veered from that. I, I every now and then I'll try to watch one on YouTube and I'll search to try to find something that may be a little more tastefully done, and it's always disappointing. Mm. Uh, I, I don't think it can be done. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. It's there's, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, I'm very close with some people that do it, which is awkward um, for me. And these people are incredibly thoughtful and talented and they Mm -hmm. can't pull it off to my standards, you know? No, I, again, I just don't, I don't think it's something that can be, it's how do you, I mean, Mm-hmm. There's no way you can. There's just no way that you can do that and come out looking like you're honoring the animal. I I can't see that. Yeah, you know. So I I have a carve out. I got. A, I have a carve out for for writers like you. Like your writing is is sufficiently reverent. That I'm glad that that I'm glad it exists, you know. Um, well, I appreciate that, and and I will be I will be honest. I struggle sometimes if I need to be writing this stuff. Um, it just it again. ring it drips with like sincerity. You are not. It's not, it does not ever, it does not, your writing doesn't come across like, hey, can't I string some good words together that sound beautiful about this experience I had? It, the, what, what's coming through in it is this was a very powerful thing for me. And I just feel compelled to share it with my fellow human beings. You know, thank you. That's what I was going for. (laughs) That that's the message that I wanted to share. Um, Yeah. So I I don't. That's something I I got to think. I mean, I I, I'm pretty like I get I'm kind of a pariah in the hunting sphere, as you've probably gathered, and and I get called names on on hunting forums and people's Instagram accounts and stuff. Uh, but they call it like they're thinking that I'm curmudgeon and just, but, uh, I not, I'm, I'm sick. So like, I, I have this impulse to just want to shut, wish it was all gone, that there was no exchange that it was 
that 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 what hunting was was going to the FWP and getting your license and then going and hunting and that was it and there wasn't any hunting culture it wasn't clubby there wasn't this clubby atmosphere surrounding it mm-hmm. um and I, there's a lot of that in me that feels that way but when i read something like things you've written and i'm like man i got more thinking to do because there there is room because that kind of those kind of those articles that have have hold potential for making hunters be more peer, you know? Yeah. And if I got to be around a bunch of motherfuckers, I'd rather that they were peer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, well, we're at, we've been at two hours. We should probably close it down, but I have a sense that, um, we're going to meet again. I, I think we'll chat again. I hope, I hope we do. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I would oh, very yeah, much. Me too. Me I too. love talking about this. But I, I feel tired now. Like in the last, a few of these, I felt tired because I'm thinking real hard during these, you know, um, they're, they're, they're hard to like a good one, a good conversation like this. You're kind of sweating a little bit, yeah. you're really trying to work through some stuff. Yeah, but that's, I mean, I don't know another way to do it. I mean, I'm I'm an overthinker anyway, but trying to unravel these reasons why, you know, ultimately your goal is to make something better, or yeah. mine is. Yeah. Try to find a way to, again, you know, I told you specifically this. Your dog is growling at you. Yeah, my dog, he doesn't growl. He makes this kind of grunting. Like sighing noise, noise or, yeah. he's, he's happy yeah he's up here he's right here at my knee want to get paid yeah i can see his ear One okay his <laughs> yeah that's rudy anyway um yeah you know you want to you want to try to shift this this culture and that's that's hard i mean you got to sort through your own your own yeah. pile of shit yeah you gotta, yeah you yeah you know, and then you got to try to hey, show these other folks, hey, this is what I figured out. What do you think about this? Man, yep. That's difficult. Yeah. And at the same time, if you're doing due diligence, you're also trying to keep, as you've expressed, you're, you're trying to remain open to having your mind changed yeah. as you change people's minds. <laughs> so yes. that makes it even harder. It does, but I, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I, and that's, that's, sincere i really do yeah, enjoy it yeah, I, I like i like have being challenged i like uh hearing new ways of looking at things and um you know we probably won't ever find all the answers but it's fun looking for them yeah just two or three would be fine for me yeah it would. <laughs> well johnny i really appreciate you taking the time i'm glad you're out there and let's let's talk again let's do it thank you all right